How's everyone doing this morning? Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> terrible. Man, good thing I'm speaking on joy this morning, right? How's everybody doing this morning? Let's try it one more time. Good, man, that's much better. And now look around, all the smiles on your face. That's, that's awesome. Well, it's so good to be with you guys. If you're visiting with us today, we're just honored that you're here with us. Uh, we want to welcome those of you who are joining us live online as well. And uh, if you're tuning in for the first time, uh, right now we're in a series entitled, When Life Gives You Limits. And what we're doing in this series is we're just talking about how we can have joy even in the midst of difficult circumstances. Anybody know what circum difficult circumstances are like? Anybody experienced anything like that? I, I think all of us can, can raise our hands and we can relate. And uh, what we're going to do in today's lesson is we're going to be talking about how we can have joy even in the midst of conflict. Any of you been in a conflict before, okay, had some relationships that kind of went sour? And uh, some of you may be asking this morning, was that even possible? I mean, is it really possible to have joy in the midst of conflict? You know, typically, most people, they handle conflict in one of two ways. Uh, either fight or flight, silence or violence. And, and when, I, when I say violence, I'm not necessarily uh, talking about physical assault. You know, I, I'm talking about those times when maybe we turn red in the face and we're yelling and we're screaming and we're swearing and we're putting our finger in someone else's face. And, and I like to refer to those people as sharks. Because how does a shark deal with conflict? Sharks attack, right? Do, do we have any sharks in here when it comes to conflict? You, you attack, right? The, the redness, the yelling, that, that kind of stuff. I, I think some of you would say, yeah, that's, that's me. But, but that's, not the only kind of, that's not the only kind of response, right? I mean, there are some who, well, basically they're someone who tends to withdraw, from conflict, and, and I kind of refer to those types of people as turtles, because w how does a turtle deal with conflict? Yeah, they hide, they, they pull in, they withdraw, and, and some people do the same when conflict arises, right? They, they withdraw, they give you the silent treatment, the cold shoulder, right? They're, they're not going to scream and yell at you, they're just not going to talk to you at all, right? They're, they're going to avoid you. And I'll be honest with you this morning, when Julie and I first got married, I was a shark. I was a guy who, you know, turned red in the face, and I would yell, and I would scream, wouldn't curse, but, but I would yell and scream and, and point my finger, and Julie, she was more like a turtle. She would withdraw. Like, I would get the silent treatment. I always knew when I'd messed up, right? Because, you know, I'd be like, hey, good morning. 
right? And, and so I knew. I'm like, what have I done, right? And, and so I was more of a shark. She was more of a turtle. And man, when she would with, withdraw from me, that would make things even worse because I'm a guy and I want to fix it and I want to get it over with, right? And, and so there were times, uh, especially when we first got married, because I was a shark, she was a turtle, that, man, we just absolutely butted heads, and honestly, neither one of those are great ways to handle conflict. But what about you? When it comes to conflict, how do you deal with it? Well, this morning what we're going to do is we're going to be back in the book of Philippians. If you want to go ahead and be turning to Philippians chapter 4, you can. Because we're going to be looking at a conflict that arose within the church at Philippi. And we're going to look at how Paul addresses it. And, and let me stop right there and make this point. It's very important that when conflict arises that we address it. Okay, when, when conflict is there, we don't want to sweep it under the rug. We, we don't want to act like, you know, it's not bothering us at all. Because, listen, if, if we don't address the conflict, then what's going to happen is it's just, it's just going to fester and it's going to get worse over time. And so one of the things that we're going to see is Paul addressing this. And we're, we're going to uh, talk about addressing conflict in a healthy way because that's what we see here in our text today. Look at, look at verse 2. This is what Paul writes. He says, Now I appeal to you, Euodia and Sinchi. I don't know if I said those right or not. Don't, don't take my word on that. That was, that was my best stab at it. These are some very different names. But he says, Please... Because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers. Now, I want us to stop right there because I want to explain what took place during that day and time, okay? When, when they would receive a letter from someone like Paul, they would call the whole congregation together and they would read it aloud in front of everyone. Are you with me? Shake your head if you got it. And so imagine, if you will, if you were these two ladies. Right? I mean, Paul writes this letter. He sends it to the congregation. They call all, everyone together. And listen, these, these two ladies, they know they have a problem with each other. There were probably a few in the congregation who knew that they had a problem with each other. But surely everyone doesn't know, right? And surely Paul doesn't know, right? And then all of a sudden they call everyone in and they read this letter out loud and he calls them out by name. And it's like, man, why in the world would Paul do something like that? That, that would just be so embarrassing. But, but I think here's the point that Paul is trying to make. Conflict is a really big deal. Now, some of you may be thinking to yourself, you mean that there was conflict in the church? Yeah, absolutely. 
And, and it can still happen today. I mean, conflict happens. And in fact, there may be some folks, there may be some of you that are here today because of a conflict from a previous church that you came from. And listen, don't, don't misunderstand me this morning. I'm not saying that there is never a time when you shouldn't leave a church. But I think what we see here in the text is that there is a really big reason why we should stay and try and work things through. And he's already said it here in the text. He says, because you, white church, look at the underlined part. You belong to the Lord. He says, I appeal to you two ladies because you belong to the Lord. Your life is no longer your own. In fact, Paul, remember what he said to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20? He says, you were what, church? You were bought with a price. In other words, listen, you're... Your purpose is no longer your own. You belong to the Lord who has big plans for you. And so Paul says to these ladies, he says, look, you belong to the Lord. And so he says, I appeal to you. I am begging you since you belong to the Lord. He's saying, listen, I'm going to need you two ladies to reconcile. And I'm going to need you two ladies to, to work this out. Now, I also want to stop here and just really commend these two ladies, right? I mean, we're, we're talking about two amazing women. I mean, look back at our text and, and look at what Paul says about them. He says, for they what church? They worked hard with me in telling others the good news. We're not talking about people who are just filling a pew. We're talking about two amazing women. I mean, they are working hard, serving the Lord, spreading the good news about Jesus, which also tells us this. Listen, conflict can happen to amazing people. Because here's the deal. Conflict is common. It's common. Just a few minutes ago when I asked you guys if you'd ever experienced any type of, of conflict, just about every hand went up because conflict is common. And, and this is a very important point, especially within the church, because oftentimes when we experience conflict within the church, the temptation for us is this. Well, you know what? This must not be the place for me. I need to find a place where I'm not going to experience any conflict. And what I would say to you this morning is good luck. You know why? Because the church is not this building, it's the people. And let me tell you something about people if you don't already know it. We're a mess. Each and every one of us. It's like when couples, and this is so funny, couples come to, to Julie and I after like one or two years of marriage and the honeymoon phase is, is now over and, and they're like, man, we need y'all's help. We, we're experiencing big problems. And it's like, yeah, because you're a mess. <laughs> right? Your whole life, you've at least been able to hide parts of it. But, but now you're not hiding anything from your spouse. 
Right? Everything is exposed because you're through the whole dating experience. You're married. You're living with each other. And, and so listen, now, you know, you, your spouse is seeing the bad hair version of you, the no makeup version of you, the bad breath version of you. Your, your spouse is, is no longer getting the roses and let me open the door for you and cook for you, but the selfish version of you. And so, yeah, there's going to be conflict in your marriage. And there's going to be conflict within the church, but that doesn't mean that that's a signal to leave. That's a signal that the relationship needs to be repaired. That's, it's like, you know, on, on the dashboard of your car, you've got those flashing lights and that's, that's a signal, right? Doesn't mean that you sell the car or you abandon the car, right? That, that just tells you, man, I've, I've got a problem. I've got to get this fixed. And the same is true when conflict arises within the marriage, with, within the church. That's, that's just a signal that, look, man, this is a relationship that, that needs some, some repairing, and that's what was going on with the church at, at Philippi. They were having some problems. And, and so Paul says, look, he says, here's what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to send two people to help you guys work through this and to help you guys restore the relationship. And, and here's what we're going to do for the, the rest of the, of the lesson today. We're going to look at these two people that Paul sent and then we're just going to ask the question, why? I mean, why would, why would Paul send these two guys to the church at Philippi? What, what can we learn from them? And, and so if you will, back up to Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to start reading in verse 19. Here's, here's the first one that Paul is going to send. He says, if the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send who, church? Timothy to you for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I love that. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has served with me in preaching the good news. Man, what was it about Timothy? Why would Paul send Timothy? And I think as, as you look at this text, what you learn about Timothy was he was a very, very humble guy. You know, we, we started talking about humility last week, right? In this same chapter. If you look at verse 3 of chapter 2, what does Paul say to the church at Philippi? He says, don't be what? Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. But rather, he says, I want you to be what? I want you to be humble. And, and then he kind of explains what that word humble or humility means. Thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And so... Here, Paul, he, he knows there's a conflict going on in Philippi, and, and he knows that one of the big reasons why is because of selfishness. 
Think about a lot of the conflicts, whether it, you know, whether it's your marriage or whether it's some friendship, you know, that you had go bad or, or you know, a friend that you had a conflict with or, or maybe it's a co-worker. And, and just think about that for a moment and, and ask yourself the question, okay, how much of that was because of my own personal selfishness? Because I was more focused on me than others and the welfare of others. I mean, selfishness is a, is a huge part of, of why our relationships break down and why there's, there's conflict. And, and so Paul, man, he realizes this is what's happening within the church at Philippi. Just a, a lot of, of selfishness and... So he decides to send Timothy. Because Timothy was very different than most in several, in several ways. And he points them out in the text. First of all, he cared. He genuinely cared for the welfare of others. And, and that's the way it's supposed to be within the church. <laughs> Again, not someone who is thinking about ourselves, you know, someone who is selfish, but, but thinking about others and the welfare of others. And Paul goes on to talk about this with the church at Corinth too. They must have been struggling with this because he describes a physical body and he compares the physical body to the church. Listen to what he says. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together, talking about the church, such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members do what? Said out loud, church. Care for each other. Right? And, and so that's what Paul is calling the church at Philippi to do, the church at Corinth to do, the church at Central to do, to care about the welfare of others. And Paul says, man, Timothy gets this. Timothy understands this. He genuinely cares about the welfare of other people. But then he also points out that Timothy cares about what matters to Jesus. And that's a, that's a great lens to, to look at life through, right? I mean, again, think, think back to, to a lot of the conflicts that you've had. What if you were to have asked yourself, okay, what really matters to Jesus in this moment? What if we did that? Is Jesus concerned that I'm right? Is Jesus concerned that I prove them wrong? No. 
Listen, Jesus not only died on a cross to reconcile us to Himself, He died on a cross to reconcile us with each other. I don't have time to read it, but sometime you can just jot this down. Ephesians chapter 2, 13 through 16, great text. Listen, Jesus died so that we could have a unique spiritual family. Listen to me. So that nothing could tear us apart. Nothing. And so here's the deal. Jesus had rather us be reconciled than be right. But Slate, I am right. Well, tell me if this is true or not. Sometimes you can be right and still be wrong. True or false? Very true. And so this is a call for for you and me to walk humbly. To deal with the selfish and and self-ambition oftentimes that fills our heart to lay that down and die to ourselves. And and that's what we see in Timothy. We, We see this example of humility. But then he also sends someone else to the church at Philippi. Um, Look at verse 25 now, Philippians chapter 2. He says, Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. And he he was your messenger to help me in my need. He goes on in verse 29. He says, Welcome him in the love of the Lord and with great joy and give him the, why church? The honor that people like him deserve. For he risked his life for the work of Christ. And he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do far away. So our first character, Timothy, as we look at his life, we see this example of humility. And that is so important when it comes to conflict, right? Because I think you guys will agree that a lot of conflict comes from pride and selfishness and a lack of humility. But then we also have Epaphroditus. And I think what he's pointing out here is something else that can create a lot of conflict in relationships, and that is a lack of honor. Dishonoring someone, looking down on someone. And and so Paul gives us this example of of what it looks like to to honor someone. He says, look, he says, this guy, Epaphroditus, man, he's a fellow soldier. He risked his life for for the gospel. And so when he comes, he says, you make sure that you show him the love of the Lord and show him the honor that he deserves. Paul says something very similar in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, he says, Love each other with genuine affection and take light in what, church? Take delight in honoring each other. And it's this idea that we are competing. And I love competition. But it's this idea that we are competing to show honor to each other. And you say, well, well, Slate, what exactly does that look like? I mean, how, how, do, we, how do we show honor to someone? Let me, let me give you three suggestions. First, first of all, highlight what you see in their life. That's what Paul did, right? 
I mean, as he's talking about both of these men, he is pointing out, he is talking about all the good things that God is doing through these men. Also, appreciate them. And again, we we see Paul appreciating both of these guys. Again, talking about what they they had done and how valuable they are to him. And, And we should show others how valuable they are to us. But then also show them respect. And and that word respect means high or special regard. You know, today so oftentimes the people that we're honoring or the people that we show respect to are those who are above us. Those who have authority over us. And, and so, you know, we, we honor, we respect our boss, and, and we respect police officers, and, and we re- respect uh, the governor and our mayor and uh, our president, and that's good. We, we want to make sure that we, we want to respect those who are in authority, those who are over us, but we also want to make sure that we respect those that we are leading. Are you with me this morning? We should respect and we should honor everyone in the way we deal with them. And you say, why is that? Well, because God, God created them and Jesus died for them. And so if they were worthy enough for Jesus to die for them, then you and I shouldn't have a problem deciding that they are worthy of honor and respect too, right? And so Paul says, look, when it, when it comes to conflict, he says, we've got to be people of humility. We've, we've got to be people of, of honor, and, and that's going to make a huge difference when it comes to, to conflict that comes our way. Then let me, let me throw out one other individual uh, that I want us to talk about this, uh, this morning, and that's Paul himself. You know, we read a little bit about Paul in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 5. This is what he says about himself. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. And some of you are like, man, TMI, too much information, Paul. Why you got to put that in there? But he explains, right? He says, I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. He says, I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them, what church? Worthless Worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything. Counting it all as what? Garbage. Garbage. Uh, Really, a better translation of that word would be dung or poop. He says, so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. 
I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith. Now, now let, me, let me back this up a little bit. And I want, you to, I want you to see that at one point, Paul was putting value or importance on certain things in his life. First of all, his identity. Like, that was everything to Paul. He says, man, I was a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. Listen, I was even circumcised eight days after I was born. I'm not a half-breed. I'm not a Samaritan. A pure-blood. If there was ever a Hebrew, he says, I was one. I was even from the tribe of Benjamin. And he says, man, as far as status and power, he says, I was a Pharisee. And he said, listen, I obeyed the law without fault. In other words, I didn't, I didn't make mistakes. And so his everything, his main focus was his identity and his status and his power, who he was. And then he began to learn it wasn't all about him. It was about Jesus. And he says, now, he says, looking back, he said, I count all that stuff as garbage. Doesn't mean it was bad. But in the grand scheme of things, it's worthless. It doesn't matter. And, and as I look at Paul's life, I, I think to myself, man, in, in the middle of a conflict, if I could just stop for a moment and, and ask myself the question... This thing that's upsetting me, this thing that's making me so mad and frustrating me so badly, does it really matter? Does it really matter? What mattered to Paul was his relationship with Christ. Let me share just a few more things with you as we close out on how, and these are just some suggestions on how to deal with conflict. Not just within the church or your home, but at school, at at the office. Um, here's, Here's the first. When something happens, address it quickly. You know, we talked about this in the beginning, sweeping it under the rug. You know, that, listen... Silence, cold shoulder, that kind of stuff, it only makes things worse. Right? We, we've got we've to address the issue. We, we've got to address the problem, and, and we've got to address it humbly, and, and we've got to address it respectfully, uh, but, but we've got to address it, right? Jesus talks about this in Matthew 5, 25. He says, come to terms, what church? Quickly, before it's too late, and you're dragged off to court and handed over to an officer and thrown into jail. In other words, deal, address the problem quickly so that things don't escalate. Because I don't know about you, but those times when you know things weren't dealt with in my life, oh man, I just get madder and madder and madder. Things get bigger and bigger and bigger, and usually someone eventually explodes, and then man, the relationship is just destroyed. So we want to deal with it quickly. But then also, when when we meet together to address the problem, we've got to define what the problem is. 
And let me give you a little tip here. When, when you meet, when you, when you sit down with someone to address the problem, here's a tip for you. Don't point at them and say, it's you. <laughs> because that's probably not going to go well. In fact, Solomon talks about this in Proverbs 18, 19. It is harder to make amends with a white church, an offended friend, than it is to capture a fortified city. Right? And I'm just going to tell you, if you sit down with someone and say, yeah, the problem is you, it's not going to go well. Don't attack the person, attack the problem. Does that make sense? And then discuss how each person, okay, each person can contribute to the solution. Which is going to take some brainstorming, right? Okay, this is what the problem is. How can I help make this situation better? How can you make this situation better? And you both come together and, and you create you create a solution together. And then you do what you say you're going to do. And to make sure that that happens, you continue to evaluate the situation. A week later, three weeks later, a month later, you come back and say, okay, how's things going? You know, how, how do you feel, how, how do you feel uh, about the problem now? Are, are we dealing with the issue? And I just think, man, if we could just practice some of the things that we talked about this morning, you know, whether it's humility or treating people with respect or, you know, addressing the problem early and, and really defining what the problem is and coming together and working on the problem instead of the person that, man, I'm, I'm telling you, I think our families, the church, our friendships, uh, our work environments would be so much healthier. Don't you? And I think we would have a greater opportunity to lead people to Jesus. Which is a huge part of who we are as Christians. We're going to go ahead and extend... An invitation today. Man, I am, I am super proud this morning. I am getting you guys out on time today. That is a rarity. So if you don't have anything else to be thankful for, you got that today. But I want to, you know, just extend an invitation. If there's someone here today, maybe, maybe you're struggling in a relationship with someone else. Maybe the real struggle with you is your relationship with God. And, and you're ready to, to give God your life, surrender your life to Him, being baptized into Christ, having all your sins completely washed away through His blood. Listen, we, we would love to pray with you and assist you in, in any of those things this morning. Um, if there's something else going on in your life that we can pray about, man, we would love to pray for you as a church. We also have uh, the cross up here. If there's something you want to put on the cross or leave at the cross today, man, we'll make sure that we get those and pray over those. Our leaders will pray over those things. But whatever your need is today, um, man, we, we just want to we help you in whatever we, way we can to help 
solidify and grow your relationship in Christ. But if you need to come, why don't you come together and we stand and sing. Uh.